After undergoing multiple knee surgeries, Ben Burkirvan isn't ready to call it a career just yet. I'll be breaking down his return to the Seahawks after undergoing multiple surgeries and an arduous comeback here on our latest edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be doing the show today live from the VMAC after today's second Seahawks training camp practice. Wasn't open to the public. It'll be open tomorrow in their third training camp practice. Going to be diving into some observations from day two and a exclusive interview with Seahawks guard Phil Haynes here at the VMAC. Looking forward to sharing that as well. A special thanks to all the 12s for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Now for your lead story here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Training camp is known for surprises and maybe the biggest surprise so far for the Seahawks in the early stages of training camp. Ben Burkirvan, former Fifth round pick out of Washington, standout tackler for the Huskies, has not played for two seasons. He is back with the Seahawks after working out for the team yesterday. A two-year stint where he didn't play any football, three surgeries, a really bad knee injury suffered in the preseason back in 2021. He was back on the practice field today for the first time in nearly two years. It's a triumphant comeback for a player that, quite frankly, it looked like his career was on the ropes. Didn't get to play last season, had to have two other surgeries. And what's fascinating, speaking with reporters today, Ben Burkirvan discussed that the third surgery that he had was actually an experimental operation, what he called a nerve transfer that he had done in Southern California. And this is not a surgery that had been done by the surgeon on a professional athlete. Mostly was just for everyday people that were looking to just be able to do everyday things. So if this ends up working out, it could be a breakthrough for the surgeon that did this operation. He was battling drop foot head nerve issues resulting from that knee injury he suffered against the Broncos in the preseason and to be able to see him out on the field being able to play football again not something that back in March when the Seahawks cut him that I think many people thought was going to happen but he made it clear throughout this process he had a support group he had the training staff here in Seattle his teammate Nick Ballore was able to hook him up with a strength and conditioning coach back in Chicago. He was able to do some work this summer to continue building his body up for playing football. And here he is, not wearing number 55 anymore, now wearing 48. Draymond Jones has the number 55. But after those three surgeries, the torn ACL, the nerve damage, missing the past two seasons, ends up getting released in March. Now he is back on the field. As he said, it is a surreal situation being able to practice again. First time in nearly two seasons that he's out. You look at Ben Burr, he fits with his football team, and we've talked about it some here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast that, yes, you've got Bobby Wagner back. You brought in Devin Bush. You're hoping that Jordan Brooks is going to be back from his own torn ACL at some point early here in training camp. And at the same time, there's a lot of uncertainty behind those three players, and that's assuming that Brooks makes it back early in the season. He's still pretty early in his 
timetable to be able to come back from a torn ACL. So it's possible he could miss a few games at the beginning of the season. Devin Bush has had his own injury issues. Bobby Wagner's 33. Behind those guys, you've got John Radigan and Vi Jones, who haven't played any regular season defensive snaps at linebackers. So Ben Burkirvan, even after missing two seasons, the odds are going to be against him, but the odds were against him to be able to get back on the field to begin with. So for him to be out there chasing down punts and kicks today in the special teams period, to see him playing in the individual drills, that was something I don't think many people thought was going to be happening for the Seahawks during training camp. And so for him to be able to get back out there, really good news for the former Washington standout. And he may have a chance if he's able to show that he's fully healthy. Obviously, the Seahawks were impressed by his workout to be able to sign him back to the team after cutting him in March. He wasn't in a position to be able to play then. With the depth concerns they have at that position, the injury situation with Jordan Brooks, don't rule out that we could see Ben Burkirvan playing for the Seattle Seahawks and making this roster at least as a special teams player. So this is a feel-good story that, at least in my opinion, it has a chance to potentially continue past the next few weeks. Getting back in the field, that is a big victory for him. But he's not here just to be able to put a helmet on again. He wants to make this football team. And he was a really solid special teams player for the Seahawks his first couple of years before that injury. So it's a great feel-good story, an outstanding job by him and all the people around him, the support group that he had, being able to get back on the field. It wasn't something coming in this morning I did not anticipate. I know he worked out yesterday. I didn't expect the Seahawks were going to sign him, but being able to see him out on the field, Best of luck to BBK for the rest of training camp. Certainly exciting news for a fan favorite here in the Pacific Northwest. Great college career. Was an All-American linebacker. Seeing him back out there being able to play the game that he loves. Kudos to him for not giving up and finding his way back on the field. Coming up next here on our Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. Get to dive into some takeaways from today's second training camp practice for the Seahawks. Now, I will say this right now. I'll reiterate it later. With it being a closed practice, there's a lot of details that we are not allowed to dive into. So maybe not as many specifics as you guys are accustomed to seeing after training camp practices. But the open practices, we promise that we'll have more insight, a little bit more in-depth analysis from the practices, but there's still plenty to discuss. We'll be diving into some key takeaways, including another strong practice from Jackson Smith and Jigba, who continues to keep that hype train rolling for the Seahawks here early in his first training camp. We'll get to that storyline and much more coming up next year on a Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you away by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide players that are a guaranteed fit on your roster. With draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. When the top tier of quarterbacks is off the board in fantasy football drafts in 2023, there's another line of luxury passers and runners who are guaranteed to fit your starting lineups each week. One of them is Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who started rolling out of the garage last season and is bound to jump into the fast lane this season. This time on top of his huge rushing total, Fields can deliver improved stats in the air with DJ Moore now leading Chicago's improved wide receiver core with eBay guaranteed fit. 
and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, say goodbye to sweating it out if your ride needs a little fixing because now you know you'll always be set for success from the get-go with eBay Guaranteed Fit. Everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. Here reporting from the VMAC. Really excited. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. For training camp to be underway for the Seattle Seahawks. And today was a closed practice. And again, going to be reiterating this. There's some details. Can't dive into formations and offensive, defensive sets and things of that nature. But with that being said, there's still plenty to discuss coming out of today's training camp practice. A special thanks to all the 12s for listening in and making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For our everydayers, tomorrow is training camp practice number three. It is an open practice, so we're going to have tons of insight and analysis coming your way, coming out of training camp practice tomorrow. So make sure that you're listening in. Today was day two, practice number two for the Seattle Seahawks at the VMAC. And with it being a close practice, again, there's some limitations of what we can report, but maybe the first thing that jumped out to me from today's practice, as soon as the Seahawks started their seven-on-seven and then their 11-on-11 period, being able to see the offensive line, Olu Oluwatimi in the middle with the first-team offense. Yesterday it was Evan Brown, but the rookie, the fifth-rounder out of Michigan, he's already getting his opportunity to try to win that job. So that's the first thing that really jumped out to me today. And looking at what he did on the field, there's some limitations with non-contact. He's not going to be driving guys off the ball right now until the pads come on. But Geno Smith talked about it. It's a seamless transition so far with Olutimi coming from Michigan. And to an extent, we expected that. This guy has over 3,500 snaps under his belt at the college level at Virginia, as well as Michigan. And getting that opportunity today, his first chance with the first team. I was watching him snap to Geno Smith and the snaps were crisp. Didn't have any that went over his head. Evan Brown had one snap that got away from him the day before. It's just one play. But in a tight race like this, when you're looking to win a starting job, all of those mistakes get magnified. And so that's certainly the case for Evan Brown here. He's got this upstart rookie coming after him that comes in with so much more experience than you typically see from a rookie center coming into the league with all those snaps and playing in a pro-style offense like Michigan employs. Oluwatimi was expected to come in and be a more seasoned, more pro-ready player, and now he's getting this opportunity to see the crisp snaps, and I was paying attention. Again, you can't see exactly or hear exactly what's being said out there, but he was making the line calls on run plays and pass plays, that seamless transition that Geno Smith is talking about. And so this kid is way ahead of the curve. Does that mean he's going to win this job? Evan Brown's going to do everything he can to try to secure the starting job after being in the first-team offense to start training camp. But it's clearly evident the Seahawks are going to give this rookie every opportunity to win the job, as they should. I mean, you'd love to see Seattle, who has not been able to find that long-term starter at this position, 
really since they traded away Max Unger. They got a few good seasons out of Justin Britt, but it has been a revolving door at the pivot position. You would love a rookie, a fifth rounder to come in and win that job and be your starter for the next four years. Right now, they're guaranteed they're going to have a new starter at the position for the third straight year. They've been rolling through players time after time again at that spot. So if you can get Olawatimi ready to go and he can win this job, that would be a big win for the Seahawks, both short-term and long-term. He's going to get every opportunity. This was his first chance to play with the ones. When the pads come on, we'll have a little better idea who's going to stand out there. It, right now it's anybody's competition, but this is maybe a little earlier than I expected. Olawatimi was going to be getting some snaps to the first team, and it maybe echoes a little bit last year, Jake Curhan and then Abraham Lucas quickly starting to seize that job. I can see Oluwatimi potentially doing the same thing at the center position. Now, it wouldn't be a training camp episode, particularly early in camp when it's non-contact. Defenders can't make plays on the football aggressively. It wouldn't be a training camp episode without talking about the receivers. And as I talked yesterday with Rob Rank, Jackson Smith and Jigba, really impressive first practice with the Seahawks. And D. Eskridge had a big day. Now, today, can't go into the specifics, but Maybe not as big of a day for Eskridge, but Jackson Smith and Jigba, you can see the catch on the Seahawks Twitter account, their social media accounts. He made an incredible one-handed grab, a left-handed grab on a route down the seam from Geno Smith. And it was with Mike Jackson there, contested coverage. There was a safety bearing down. Obviously, the safety can't hit him. Plenty of listeners have pointed that out on social media, but still, this was a heck of a catch by Jackson Smith and Jigba. And He's doing nothing to slow down that hype train as Seattle's second first-round pick this year. He is really building momentum here early, looking like a outstanding third weapon for Geno Smith behind Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And speaking of Metcalf and Lockett, there was a sequence in today's practice where Geno Smith was able to deliver a strike to Tyler Lockett. It looked like it might have been a busted coverage but was able to get the ball to Tyler Lockett downfield for a long touchdown. And only a few plays later, DK Metcalf comes open briefly. He only had a step on the corner, and Geno Smith delivers it right in the bucket on a fade route down the sideline, stopped just short of the goal line from scoring a touchdown. So two really impressive downfield throws by Geno Smith. Drew Locke also had a couple really nice throws today. There was one, we've talked about this since they made the trade, of Russell Wilson and brought in Drew Locke. The arm talent there is indisputable. He has as strong of an arm as you're going to find in the NFL. He rolled out to his left and off his back foot threw a missile to Cade Johnson, who had just enough separation to get by the corner and then slipped into the end zone. And there was a second touchdown to Cade Johnson on a fade route as well. So it's been a nice little start here for Drew Locke to start his second training camp with the Seahawks. And Geno Smith is throwing the ball really well, too. You expect the passing game is going to win in these practices with it being so limited for the defense in terms of what they can do. At the same time, you really are excited to see the possibilities with this receiving core. Even some of the secondary receivers that are on the depth chart are coming up with some big plays. Matt Landers yesterday, undrafted rookie out of Arkansas, and then Cade Johnson today coming through with some big catches. Now switching over to the defensive side of the football. Again, can't dive too much into the specifics of these plays, but 
Jaron Reed, one of the more fascinating comments that Pete Carroll made after yesterday's practice, he was saying that Jaron Reed was going to be playing nose tackle for this football team at least part of the time. And so far, that's been the case. Yesterday, he was playing alongside Draymond Jones in the interior. They were using him in a similar capacity today as well. And he was really disruptive. As much as you can be in these practices with there not being real football played in the trenches, no pads on, nonetheless, able to see that he still got plenty of juice. He was on the nose in the middle of that defense. I think it was the first play of their scrimmage that he was able to get into the backfield. And in a normal situation, he's bringing down the running back for a tackle for a loss. They obviously can't do that right now. But it's encouraging to see him getting some penetration. There were a couple of pass rushes where he was able to push the pocket back into the quarterback, opened up some things for the edge guys. And I know that there's been this narrative, and the film backs it up to an extent. Jaron Reed did not have one of his best seasons last year for the Green Bay Packers. At the same time, when he played well, Green Bay's defense was much better. If the Seahawks can get that consistency back from him that he demonstrated for the last couple of years that he was in Seattle, he doesn't have to get 10 sacks like he did in 2018. But if you were able to get a handful of sacks, consistent pressures, he had more than 30 quarterback pressures last year. So that's still something that he can bring to the table for a defensive line. And even though he's not a 330-pound, 340-pound guy like an Al Woods or a Brian Monet, he has been a stout run defender throughout his career. Getting back to Seattle, being with a coaching staff that he loves playing for, they know how to best utilize him. I'm curious to see how things play out, but this has been a really good start for number 90 here in his return to Seattle. Both he and Bobby Wagner have looked really good in these first couple practices, as much as you can evaluate with there not being pads on. And that leads to my last thing here. We talked about Bobby Wagner some yesterday. I got to talk about him again because there has been this, again, a narrative out there, and I don't think he is the athlete that he was when he was 25, 26 years old. He's 33. He's lost a little bit of a step. You can see that in the film the last couple of years. But it's not to the point that it has significantly hindered his game. In fact, I think he looks more spry right now than what he did a couple training camps ago in his last season that he was with the Seahawks. He is flying all over the field. You can tell how happy he is to be back in a Seahawks uniform. And one play in particular today, Derek Young, as Geno Smith said today, he's a specimen. He's over six foot tall. He's 223, 224 pounds, and he ran in the four fours at his pro day. So he's got the size speed combination. He's got a running back background. So I think that the Seahawks might want to use him a little bit in their jet sweep game. And today they tried to do that. And Bobby Wagner quickly erased that. And that was one of the plays that really jumped out to me. You can see the run and chase ability that still remains a strength for Bobby Wagner, even at 33 years of age. Maybe the quickness, the lateral movements are not where they used to be, but in terms of straight line speed, not a 4-5 guy anymore, but he can still book, and he was able to run down this jet sweep with Derek Young, who is a legitimate 4-4 guy. We've seen the speed out here on the field, but the angle he took, the speed he ran with, uh, it was the perfect pursuit, and he would have been able to deck Derek Young on that play if we're watching real football. Obviously couldn't tackle him here, but got to him behind the line of scrimmage, just perfectly executed. 
And we know the run defense issues the Seahawks had last year. Just getting that type of pursuit, it really is leadership by example that the Seahawks badly needed in the middle of their defense. And so hopefully that's going to carry over into the game action. He was doing it a lot last year. There's going to continue to be the questions. What does he look like in coverage? What are the Seahawks going to do with him in that aspect of his game? But there's no denying this guy can still get downhill and he can make a bunch of plays in the run game and he'll surprise again. I think he looks more spry right now and maybe just because of the first couple of days of camp, but there's a hop, there's a bounce in his step right now. And he posted it on social media yesterday. He feels like he has a lot to prove. You know, he's an eight-time All-Pro, so how much more is there to prove? But he wants to show people he can still make those plays. And he had a really nice play running down a play to the sideline yesterday. So we're seeing that early that he's still got that. He's still got the ability to chase down ball carriers. And that's going to be a big deal for the Seahawks defense that consistently struggled against the run a year ago. You're listening to the Thursday edition here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm doing the show here from the VMAC after Seattle's second training camp practice. Special thanks to all the 12, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for our everydayers, we've got more training camp coverage coming your way tomorrow. We'll be diving into offensive and defensive takeaways, maybe some special teams takeaways as well, coming out of their third training camp practice on our Blue Friday episode. Hope you'll be listening in. One of the most fascinating things going into this season, you've got two positions. I already talked center, but you also got right guard where the Seahawks are going to have two new starters at the position. Now, Phil Haynes did start three games for the Seattle Seahawks a year ago. He played a career high in snaps, and the Seahawks saw enough that they decided to bring him back on a one-year contract. And he's really excited for the opportunity to continue playing in Seattle. He told me he feels blessed for the opportunity to stay with the Seahawks to play a fifth NFL season, and especially considering the way his career started, only played one offensive snap in the regular season his first two years because of injuries. For him to slowly regain some momentum the last couple years, he was in a platoon with Gabe Jackson last season. The Seahawks went 3-0 when he was in the starting lineup. The run game was better, almost 120 rushing yards per game. There's plenty to talk about with Phil Haynes going into his fifth season. I had the opportunity today before their second training camp practice to catch up with the former fourth-round pick and see where he's at heading into his fifth season with the Seahawks. Take a listen. It's easier for me than uh, doing the little clip thing. How's the offseason for you, man? I'm sure you were excited to get to come back for another season here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a blessing. I mean, being one place for five years, I mean, it's, it's a blessing to be here. How'd your offseason change up, or did you make any adjustments to what you were doing after last year? I know you played more snaps than you've yeah. played at any point. I'm sure you had more to watch on film yeah. and try yeah. to gather, hey, this is where I did well. Here's where I need to improve. Yeah, I mean, I had a bunch to improve on. Um, uh, just kind of, it was different. I mean, you said I played a lot more, so trying to take care of my body a little bit more yeah. and uh, kind of prepare for the season. I had a better idea kind of how to do that this year. Um, yeah. What is what specifically have you done? Because now you see this a lot of time with guys when they've been in the league. You know, after your rookie season, usually there's kind of that awakening. I need to yeah. do this differently. But I've noticed with guys four or five years, and it seems like that's really where it hits. Like I really know now what I need to do with my diet, or yeah. with my training. Yeah. No, you're right. Like diet is a big thing. Training is huge. Um, like in college, you want to lift the most weights you can, but it's really like working on those end range muscles. So you. When you get caught in a certain a certain stance, you don't get hurt because you're strong there. Um, so little things like that, people don't really know about this. And especially because early in your career, you had several injuries you had to yeah. battle through too. So there's things you can learn from. Yeah, but absolutely. between the lines, you said there's tons to work on for you. 
all those snaps you had last year, the film that you got to watch. What stood out as far as things that you're like, hey, I made a big, I made big strides there. And what areas, as you mentioned, you feel like, hey, this year I really need to make a big leap forward yeah. here specifically. I think at pass pro one on one blocking, I got a lot better. Um, obviously, I can get better at one on one blocking in the, in, the, in the run. I think that's one thing I've been trying to focus on. Just with different schemes, I came out of college and I ever run in the middle wide zone, so yeah. Yeah. I always kind of have to work on that uh, stuff like that. It's just just have to, a lot of things you can work on. I mean, a little bit of everything. And guess something with the tackles last year, they're yeah. coming in from it. Almost all these college offenses are running yeah. these air raid yeah. or run and shoot offenses. And it, I think sometimes fans expect, oh, these guys are going to be able, one year they'll be able to figure it out. And it's yeah, kind no. of a, <laughs> a long term thing that you yeah. have to deal with. You've got two new centers that you're playing next to Evan Brown, Olutimi. Uh, what's been your experience so far getting to work with those two guys? And what's the toughest thing when you're trying to acclimate to new centers? You've had to do that a couple times yeah. now here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're both those guys are incre- incredibly smart. Uh, they pick up the offense very, very quickly. I mean, Evans has been in the league for a while, and although it's been a couple places in college, so it's kind of different systems. Uh, they kind of pick up really fast. And the, the main thing is just kind of working cohesion, um, working off games and double teams and mainly in the snap counts because everybody's a little bit different. So you kind of have to get the rhythm of that. We just talked about how long it can take to try to adjust to yeah. a pro-style offense, but Olutini's coming from one at yeah. Michigan. I mean, that's as pro-style as it gets at the right. college level. And Evan Brown's been playing in Detroit system the last couple of years. Exactly. So how much does that help accelerate that process a little bit, even with a rookie? And you're like, yeah. I know this guy's played in this type of scheme. Yeah. And maybe going to help with that. I mean, you can see in the technique, like even in drill work back in the, like, the summer, I mean, like, these guys were doing techniques that I had to take a long time to learn. And just anybody, anybody that comes in, they're like, oh, we got to really learn this stuff. But they're kind of already new, similar techniques. And they just took it around with it, honestly. It's been great to see. All the snaps that you were able to get last year in the rotation with Gabe and getting that extra experience. Yeah. Who to this point is the toughest player that you've had to go against? And how excited are you now that you get to practice against Draymond Jones, oh, yeah. who's been <laughs> one of those guys yeah, that gets yeah. sacks year in, year out? No, nah, I mean, playing him first game last year, it was, I mean, I was like, <laughs> wow, this guy's really good. But, I mean, Chris Jones, I mean, oh. he's, he's that guy. I mean, ah, it's just it's tough. I mean, they create a lot of one-on-one blocks with him, and he's just a vet's vet. Like, he's really, really good at what he does, so. Yeah, I know that was the that was the game. I yeah. think you probably gave up the most yeah, pressure, yeah. but let's be honest: like you could pull Hall of Famers from <laughs> yeah. the '60s and '70s out of Chris Jones is going to win exactly. some of those battles. Exactly. But I would think having Draymond here yeah. to practice against, just like with the corners when they got DK and yeah. those guys, sometimes that makes it. Hey, who I'm playing on Sundays is going to feel exactly. easier. So having exactly. a guy like that probably yeah, it helps a bunch. I mean, like Draymond, just the quick as it comes, and he can do power too. So he's savvy. So I mean, it's going to help with. The ADs of the world, like all those guys, like the elite pass rushers, is going to help us. So me and D. This being your fifth year, this is your third year now playing for Andy Dickerson. What What are the lessons that you've learned from him, especially because he's the guy that you've gotten to play Man. most of your snaps for? Yeah. And how excited are you now? I get th- three years with this coach. Yeah. I mean, is that again very rare? Um, I'm I'm blessed to have him as a coach. He's a wonderful coach. He te- teaches technique better than anyone I've been around. He's a he's a great guy. He cares about you on the field. He's I mean. I can't say anything bad about him. I mean, I love him to death. Oh, come on, I wanted something. <laughs> nah, I got another man. He, he, he's, just, he's just awesome. I love him. You have to be really excited for Phil Haynes with this opportunity that's been presented to him, especially when you consider the adversity that he overcame, having a lot of injuries his first couple of years and then was able to get a few spot starts at the end of the 2021 season, played really well, helped Rashad Penny rip off over 170 rushing yards in those two games. And then last year, again, they were 3-0 and in the games he started. 
They ran for almost 120 yards in those games. You can't put all that on Phil Haynes' shoulders, but at the same time, it was clear watching the film that this offense just felt like it ran more smoothly, both in the passing and run game when Phil Haynes was out there. He's only 27 years old, and as I asked him in the interview, getting that chance, I mean, same offensive line coach for three years in a row, that might not seem like a big deal, but you see how assistant coaches around the league get shuffled, especially with how impatient teams are with head coaches. There's constant change with assistants. So having that same O-line coach for three straight seasons, that's who he's played most of his snaps for. And that's why I've said this for a couple months now. I think Phil Haynes, as long as he can stay healthy, that's the big caveat here. If he can avoid the injuries that he had early in his career, with him being a young player that's got a lot of athleticism, he's got that basketball background, and he's figured things out off the field in order to help himself, talking about the change diet and different training methods that he has taken part in. And now having that continuity with the coaching staff, there's a lot of things that are working in his favor now heading into this season. And he's been the number one guy at right guard here these first two practices. And I expect at some point Anthony Bradford's going to get his opportunity, the rookie out of LSU, to show what he can do with the first team, just as the Seahawks did with Olawatimi today. But this does feel like this is a little different situation than at center where this feels like Phil Haynes, especially them giving him a $4 million one-year deal, that they're looking at this as more of an audition for him. Can you still be a long-term guy for us at the right guard position? So it's an exciting competition, but it feels like there's a bit more separation there that's in favor of Haynes, especially with the way that he played in that platoon with Gabe Jackson a year ago. Going to continue to be a position to watch closely as training camp unfolds as always you can follow me on twitter corbin smith nfl you can subscribe and follow locked on seahawks on youtube and wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure that you don't miss a single episode coming up tomorrow going to continue diving into all the sights and sounds of training camp on our blue friday episode offensive defense maybe some special teams takeaways at an open practice here looking forward to breaking it all down and hope you'll be listening in enjoy the rest of your thursday happy football season go hawks